Okay, we are Monday for our uh, Sermon Sunday sessions. That okay? Stefan Maier with you at itsouls.com, the Early Bird Podcast sessions. Here we are on Rumble, streaming live. Please uh, consider subscribing to the channel, of course, and giving us a thumbs up and some comments and sharing the link far and wide if you find value in the substance of the material being provided your way. If it certainly is spiritually beneficial in your fateful walk on this earth for the limited time we have, right? This life is but a vapor. Uh, yeah, that is true. And uh, we need to find out the purpose of life. And there's many directions you can go to have all sorts of different answers. But is there an inspired answer? Is there a... Is there the truth among various truths, you know? Well, anywho... We want to share uh, the sermon that I preached uh, for the East Coast Church of Christ yesterday, Sunday, with you today. Typically, I record it uh, with the church as I'm preaching. I record it, and then I upload it uh, for you on Mondays, but uh, that was not the case this weekend. This Sunday passed, so uh, I'm just going to share my thoughts and some points we had. Uh, I had delivered to uh, the membership there, of the church, um, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see what you think about that. We'll see if it uh, challenges you, it has you think about stuff, and again, you can contact me anytime, send me a message, whatever it is, and you can certainly support the work. I mean, that's an option, that's an opportunity you have, whether you do or not, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna do what I do. You know, I, I, I used to do it uh, for $100 a month, and I'll do it for... Uh, zero dollars a month and i'll do it for a hundred thousand dollars a month it don't matter to me it all goes to the gospel and uh putting food shelter and clothing uh for the maya family uh, uh, utilizing the added souls ministry for the greater good of the kingdom and the mission work we're involved here on the east coast of canada in new brunswick canada as the east coast church of christ and you can certainly check us out at eastcoastchurchofchrist.com or on facebook east coast church of christ we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower it's a uh, fairly common parable, uh, one that is certainly spoken of uh, most often than not uh, among Christian circles, if you will. Uh, but it holds great weight, doesn't it? Uh, though a surface reading certainly has a challenge to our thoughts and our life and the purpose and dedication therein, uh, greater insight in the text and in the day and context uh, certainly reveals... Um, a great depth, a great depth of information that is most useful, kind, uh, to you and I, and to all who read this information. These are witnessed and recorded accounts uh, penned down by the Holy Spirit. Men inspired by God, governed by God, wrote this information. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, is where we find ourselves for this uh, Sermon Sunday. And uh, we're just going to go through some verses, and I'll share with you, kind of in running commentary format, if you will, uh, sharing with, uh, with you um, the interpretation of the author's intent uh, for you and I, you know, and how serious it is, and how real it is. When inspired statistics, you know, inspired numerical revealings on how many will choose not to follow Jesus compared to the very small very uh, minority, um, the remnant, if you will, that choose to follow Jesus. Um, uh, 
most of those who say they are Christians and follow Jesus don't. They just don't. It's just a reality of our existence. You know, the Bible reveals that very plainly. Um, and this parable is a wonderful parable in teaching because it not only applies from the perspective of the unbeliever who may be seeking to become a believer, but it also applies to the believer who has obeyed the gospel and is now a legal citizen of the kingdom of God, added there by the power of God upon his or her obedience. So it applies from both, uh, uh, from both angles, and we are wise to kind of be cautious with that, to take precaution of the information and be good stewards of the information. And look inwardly. Look in the mirror. Are we humble? Are we teachable? Uh, can we repent? Can we change our thoughts if we find uh, that we were not uh, on good soil, if you will? You know, if we find ourselves uh, on the road or on the side of the road or on rocky soil uh, or the thorns, uh, can we make changes, adjustments in our life? Well, to each his own free will. That's the beauty of, of independence that God has blessed us with. Though he knows all things, you and I don't. Though you and I do not know all things, that doesn't remove us from our free will. And though God knows all things, that does not remove us from our free will. Independent accountability through our intellectual capabilities. And God is certainly graceful. And to all uh, which the law applies... We must seek. We must ask, seek, and knock, right? We saw how Jesus interacting with his people, the, both the Jews and the foreigners, the Jews, his own family, his own people, the covenant in which he was born, and the foreigner, the pagan, the heathen, the Roman, the Gentile, the, uh, you know, the pagans and all, uh, and the, well, the foreigners, those outside the fold of Judaism, those that are not the sons of the kingdom, if you will, those who are not the Hebrews, uh, the Israelites, you know, um, we see how they more so had a genuine faith. And the Jew, the believer, them born and raised in the covenant, reading, reciting, teaching, preaching, the word, the law, well, they had a superficial faith more so than not. Why is that the case? <laughs> well, we have hardened hearts. We become stiff-necked, rebellious. Pride. Pride and control blind us, have us weak. And sadly, I've witnessed congregations uh, dismantled and split and, and dev devoured uh, by the hands of uh, those who are prideful and uh, controlling, uh, built upon their egotistical endeavors and things of that nature. And of course, in congregations where you do not have a solid, faithful leadership, a shepherding, uh, man, you make yourself vulnerable and you can certainly be blind. You wake up uh, once the smoke clears and you're like, oh, what has happened? Members have fallen away from grace. Some have been pushed out of the church unrighteously. Others have been devoured to believe the well-crafted and cunning lies of a wolf. All these things take place and we become discouraged, don't we? We lose uh, faith. Our faith diminishes a great deal at these moments of discouragement. It seems we find the storm more frightening than the power of God's ability to providentially navigate us into uh, um, uh, fateful growth. 
you know, we see the storm, uh-oh, the storm, physical threat, physical death, uh-oh, uh-oh, we, 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 we panic, we find anxiety, we, we find fear, and we no longer uh, have trust in God, when in fact it is at those times we should fear God and trust God the more so in growing in the wisdom he is teaching us. Uh, individuals see the storm in the sky. You see the colors of the clouds forming. You see all of these telltale signs, the thunder and the shifting and the rumbling. You can tell by the forecast we are going to have a major storm, even perhaps a tornado, a hurricane, something of a natural disaster. We need to take cover. We need to go to the bunkers. We need to go underground. We need to hide. Here it comes. Oh, no. Oh, no. We can see that and we we, we have a moment of fear with that and uncertainty. And why is it that at those moments in our life, we, we, we don't find comfort and, uh, how should I say, um, oh, what's the word now that I'm seeking? Something that has you at peace, even though you are going through a moment of, uh, that, uh, of threat, if you will, a moment of peace, it's because it, it, we lack trust in God. I mean, Jesus himself said, ye of little faith to men who could see a storm coming on that boat, and we're like, we're going to die. Wake up, we're going to die. And he's like, ye of little faith. And therefore, and, and, and after that, Jesus goes and controls the weather. Why are you fe fearing the weather instead of fearing the one who controls the weather, who's created the weather. You know what I mean? Like we need to kind of take a good look at our perspective, our priorities. The church, the legal citizenry, some members are going to come and go. In my limited experience, only about 11 plus years in, I've seen more go than stay and then come and stay. Such is the work in East Coast Canada uh, with its natives. Now, there might be a difference from the influx of immigration coming in from pagan countries who are more so open and submissive to the account of the Christ, to the gospel. To them, they have a more, it seems, culturally receptive, uh, humble, uh, receptive humbleness about them because they've lived in pagan countries and pagan ways for so long that perhaps they've become so broken. Maybe that's what it takes us Westerners, you know, uh, before we start to recognize how precious the gospel truly is, we kind of have to see what godlessness is going to give us. Well, it's going to give us death and a whole bunch of it. But it, you see them come and you see them go. You see discouragements. You see uh, um, congregations split by wolves. You see uh, self-righteous hypocrites and, and, and controlling and prideful individuals. You see all these things and you ask yourself, why, why does this exist? What's happening? What's taking place? I mean, I read in the Bible about love and unity and family and I see Jesus praying to his father about Christians being one, you know, and I see the Bible teaching about one doctrine, one common salvation, one church, and one kind of church with, with a whole bunch of different uh, uh, local congregations of that one kind of church. And you see that, but you, you think to yourself, does that even exist? Because, all I, because you've seen the pain, you've seen the hurt, you've seen the persecution, you've seen uh, the Pharisees, the wolves, you've seen all the bad agents and the delinquencies in the congregation. Uh, at times done so uh, high-handedly by those who seek to 
manipulate, but also by just those who are snared in sin and are struggling with it and just have a hard time seeing it and everything. If you've been in the church long enough, you've witnessed all these things and it has either uh, given you wisdom or, or it has uh, diminished your faith to the point that you've drifted off, that you've lost faith, you've lost hope with in Christ and in the church and you leave. And the rest of us see these things and we witness these things and do we give up? Well, I want to. No, I don't want to. Well, I want to. Well, no, I don't want to. For me, counting the cost, it was sealed with the deal when Peter told Jesus, where else would you want us to go? You have the words of eternal life. I've, I've tested what the world had to offer me. None of it compares to eternal life through the love of Jesus Christ. So at the end of the day, every time something very tragic happens in the church or something very devastating takes place with the hostility of this godless world. And Jesus says, well, what are you going to do? You're going to leave because you've heard something or you've, you've experienced something or you, you've lived through something that um, is very difficult to accept? Are you just going to give up? Who are we truly following at the end of the day? Are we following delinquent members? Are we following the pharisaical, the diatrophic kinds that go behind pulpits and leaderships and cause all kinds of pain? Who are we following? Are we following the members or are we following Jesus Christ? Put things into perspective. All of this, my friends, I'm sharing with you uh, organically in, in, in freestyle so that we can have platform to what we're going to read regarding the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. It'll make a lot of sense to you. It made a lot of sense to me. You sometimes have to read it over and over again, too, because I remember reading this book, the Bible, back in 2011, and dude, listen, I had no idea what most of it was saying. I really did not. I knew it was speaking about life. I knew it was speaking about hope and peace and love. And once you've lived long enough in death and chaos, life kind of sounds good. Life kind of gives you hope about stuff that you didn't, you should have embraced earlier in your life. I didn't understand most of what I was reading in the Bible. I really did not. And I was listening to all sorts of chefs in the kitchen about what they thought the interpretation of the Bible should be like. And some of them I'd be like, yeah, you know what? This preacher, what he's saying, it's kind of lining up to what I can read in the Bible for my own self. And then I'd listen to other preachers and I'd be like, no, man, he's missing that. I mean, I, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. These priests, these pastors, these reverends, these religious figures, these leaders, these TV evangelists, all of them, I just take in all of it. But I, my main source of authority to me was the Bible because it was, I mean, where else would you go to measure truth? You have to have a ruler. You have to have some kind of order, some kind of a... And I thought, well, it can't be mankind because we can be wrong. Like we, we, we choose to sin. We're not perfect. So it can't be us. So it can't be a man who is the authority of all Christian authority, all Christian. Uh, principle and and teaching and stuff. It has to be some. It has to be the Bible. I've looked at all corners, man. I've looked everywhere. I thought maybe the Pope, maybe the Roman Catholic Pope, is kind of like God on earth for us, and maybe he's the one. Well, come to find out, that's not true at all. He isn't. He's just a man like you and I. And as a matter of fact, maybe questionable with a lot of stuff. Well, it isn't the pastors. It isn't the reverence. It isn't mom and dad. It isn't, it's not the preachers, the co-workers, the friends, the family. Who is it? Well, it has to be some... There's a book that's been written. Okay, so I've made my way to the book. I investigated where that book came from. Why are there 66 books in this one book? Why are there two testaments? 
Who, where did it come from and who wrote it and why do we have it and why do we think it to be inspired? Listen, this, this here session is not about all those questions, but let me tell you, I've had all those questions. And I'd size up everything and all these different interpretations from various angles and people. And if, if what they were saying was lining up with the Bible, then I'd, I'd listen to them a bit more. But if they weren't, I'd be like, no, I got to back off. I got to, I got to kind of, you know, withdraw from this individual's influence because he is plainly stating things that the Bible doesn't teach. All of this, my friends, my dear friends, it, it plays an important part to what Jesus is going to teach here in the parable in Matthew chapter 13. So that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea and a, a large crowds, okay, large crowds in verse 2 of chapter 13 gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. Well, he, I mean, you, I'd want to follow this guy. Most were following him for superficial reasons. They were following him because it was entertaining. Oh, what's he going to do today? Oh, they're going to be a fight today. Oh, the Pharisees are going to go challenge him. Let's go see what's going to happen. Bring the popcorn. You know, most were had that kind of mentality, that kind of a worldview, very superficial. Others superficial also because it's like, let's go, get, let's follow him. Why? Because he's going to feed us. He's going to give us food and stuff. But there were some some that would genuinely follow him because they saw something. They were looking at the signs pointing to something something deeper. What is he saying? Are you hearing the word? You can hear something and not listen to something. Are you listening to the words he is saying? Jesus himself gave the crowds a grace period. We recognize that within the Gospel of John when it came to that very moment, I believe in chapter 6. If I'm not mistaken, I may be mistaken. You got to check these things out for yourself. I could be wrong. The Bible's always right. And within the Gospel of John, with the witnessed and recorded account of Jesus, the grace period for the crowd had come to its end. The expiration date was time to call. And Jesus spoke to them, Hey, listen, if you don't eat my flesh, drink my blood, you ain't going to make it. You will not have eternal life. You will not have citizenry within the legal Legal citizenry within the kingdom, I will soon be crowned king. And it's not that they did not understand what he was saying. It's that he w they had a hard time accepting it. And so many of his own disciples left him. And of course, Jesus asked the question, are you guys going to leave too? Speaking to Peter and them. And Peter said, no, where do you want us to go? You have the words of eternal life, good soil. Good soil. All the other soils were uh, uh, beside the road. Rocky places. Thorns. Are we good soil? How many? Okay. The, the, uh, beside the road, one. Rocky places, two. The thorns, three. The good soil, four. One out of four? Man, that's a narrow gate, isn't it? That's a narrow gate. One out of four? Dude, that's a narrow gate. Starts to make a lot more sense why only eight souls were saved during the catastrophic world event regarding the age of Noah and his family on the ark. I mean, it makes... It, man, why do we do that? I don't know. Why do we choose to sin and go against God? Selfishness selfishness, pride, 
We're not humble. We seek to control. We seek to make subordinates instead of disciples. I posted something on my personal profile on Facebook. And if you're not following me there, by all means, you can come check me out on Facebook. I have my own personal profile there as a digital creator. And I share all kinds of stuff, you know, impromptu videos. And I share our family and the things we cook, the things we eat, and our various adventures during the day and the week and the things with the kids and the wife and, and whatnot. And I'll share quotes. I'll share thoughts and family and all that. You can come check out what I'm doing over there. And uh, one of the things I've said is, you know, you don't need a preacher. The members of the local assembly, the church, they don't need the preacher's uh, presence or approval for them to immerse souls into Christ. They themselves can sit down and teach others and baptize them into Christ. You know... uh, we tend to lose the focus of our responsibility, scripturally speaking. Now, is should the preacher be teaching and preaching and reaching people with the good news and baptizing them into Christ? Well, yeah. It, it, it's right for all angles here. The elders, the preacher, the deacons, the members, all, everyone has responsibility to this commission. All of this, my friends... Is, it determines on, on which category branch you find yourself in, in within the existence of our realm. Submissive to the natural uh, um, landscape. You're either going to be on the side of the road, you're either going to be on the rocky places, you're either going to be in the thorns, or you're going to be good soil. And there's just no way around it. I teach these to individuals who are non-believers, who I'm trying to uh, uh, convince uh, the same thing, like what, you are one of these soils, whether you want that or not, whether you, you, you accept it or deny it, reject it, it doesn't make it. The truth is the truth, whether I'm here telling it to you or not. You are one of those soils. We are one of these soils. No way around it. I know exactly which soil I was. I've got it scarred on my arm. Folks tend to say, oh yeah, you're a Christian, right? Oh, I understand why you went and put a cross there on your arm, this tattoo. Dude, I got that in my past life as a sign of rebellion towards God. The cross represented the Christ, and all those things around it were the thorns, and the writing there is in French. It says, my life. What was my life? I wanted to pursue the world. Wealth, luxury, power, influence, women, anything, everything. I just wanted it all. I wanted what the world had to offer me. So it choked out my faith in Christ. That was my life, headed towards hell. I was basically saying to God, look, God, I put on my arm that I'm going to hell. (laughs) Think I'm proud of that? No. Now it's a memory. Keeps reminding me when I want to give up. Like, hey, dude, don't give up. Remember where you were? I was the thorns. That's the soil I was. Which soil are you? Are you on the side of the road? Are you on the rocky places? Or, or, or are we good soil? Let's read now a bit, if we shall, together. And he spoke many things to them in parables in verse 3, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. So here's the sower, and he's got something to sow. And what is it that he sowed? Well, he sowed seeds. And what is the seed? Well, the gospel of Luke would tell us the seed is the word of God. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of Christ. It's what can save your eternal soul and give you guidance and instruction and wisdom in life, purpose, 
to be pleasing to the great I am, the creator. So here's this sower, and what is he sowing? He's sowing the word of God. You and I, we are the sowers. And what are we proclaiming? What are we sharing with our fellow neighbors? The good news of Jesus Christ in its accurate form. And so as he sowed some seeds, the word of God, it fell in various locations. One of the locations in which the word of God fell was beside the road. Have you ever tried to get from point A to point B in your vehicle? Driving in the ditch? <laughs> not going to make it too far, are you? not going to make it too far. No, you won't make it too far at all. You might not even be able to leave your driveway in the ditch there. You have to be on the road, the straight and narrow. The soil is the hearts of mankind, is it not? Is your heart in the ditch? Is your heart in the gutter? Others, other seeds, other locations in which the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, fell was the rocky places where they did not have much soil. There weren't no nutriments. There wasn't a rich soil and depth of that soil to create root, strong foundation, no. Because they had no depth of soil, they immediately sprang up. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. They withered away. Withered away. And that's sad. It's sad to be on, in the ditch, in the gutter, on the side of the road on the sidewalk there and in the ditch and all those locations that it's sad. Rocky places are sad too. You don't have enough soil in there to keep something strong, something growing tall and, 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 and strong. I, I'm, I'm mindful of the psalmist speaking of that tree next to the river. You want that kind of strength, that kind of foundation. Others fell among the thorns, Jesus says in verse 7, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Wow. That's just, that's amazing to me how a man can speak such, in such a way. And why would he speak that way? Because, friends, Christianity is something you seek. Many, look, look, look at these, look at these uh, Hollywood kids, right? Children of celebrities or high-profiled politicians, corrupt politicians. Look at their kids, man. They've been given life on a silver platter. They don't appreciate anything. They'll take the Lamborghini for a, for a spin and, and trash the car. And who cares because dad's going to buy me a Lambo tomorrow again anyways. Like they've got no appreciation for anything. They squander all things because they didn't have to work for it, did they? And I've noticed that those who work the hardest for what they acquire, if you've been saving your money and working hard for five, ten years for an education, you're not going to squander your education. If you've been working real hard 
and dedicated to a goal in purchasing a vehicle or a house or whatever, you're not going to squander that. You're going to make sure you take good care of that and you have insurance on the, on the things you've worked hard to acquire. If you've worked really hard on your family, your marriage, your children, you're not just going to throw that in the wind. But if everything's been given to you and you take it for granted, you squander everything. You lose it all and who cares, I'll have it again tomorrow. Well, how hard have we been working for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have we really truly have to work hard to understand what the gospel is? Some of us, the gospel was not handed to us on fourth generation Bible belt stuff. Some of us heathens and Gentiles tucked away in remote remote corners of the world, had to really work hard to understand this. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of the individuals during the Restoration Movement. They didn't know anything. They were flying blind. They just had the book and had the book, and that's all they needed, and that's all that is necessary. But they had to figure it out all on their own. There wasn't no Google. Can't Google a Bible verse to figure it out. You have to go to the book. When you work hard for the gospel, seeking the truth, and you finally reach, you finally reach that moment where you, you understand it and you, and, and you give your life to Jesus, are you just going to squander that away? No, because you worked hard for it. What kind of soil are, are we? Why is Jesus speaking to them in parables? Because speaking to them in parables means those who truly seek the truth are going to keep asking questions and knocking doors. But those who take it for granted, nah, he's just a crazy person. Those, one of those religious nut jobs. You know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying here? And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Like, why do you do that? And Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of what now? The kingdom of heaven? There's something important about that kingdom, is there not? Jesus' first recorded words in the Gospel of Matthew. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What are we told to seek ye first? In Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom. There's something about the kingdom, right? I think you and I should want to be legal citizens of that kingdom, right? Why is Jesus speaking to the people, the crowds, in parables? Why not just speak plainly to them. Well, he is speaking plainly to them. He's plainly speaking the parable for all who are paying attention to seek out. They understand the illustration within the parable. They understand what the side of the road means and the rocky places and the thorns and the good soil. They understand that. A farmer can understand that. People living in that culture and context can understand that. And you and I can understand it today too. But are we going to want to understand it? Are we listening to what he is saying? He who has ears has the capability of listening. Do you take on that responsibility? Most don't. So Jesus is speaking to them in that way for a purpose. It's panning for gold. You understand the illustration, panning for gold? You take a pan, you scoop up there in the river, and you got a whole bunch of dirt and rocks in there, but there might be some gold, so you pan it, you shake it. You let all the... the, the, the the, the elements of no value uh, go away and the gold starts to appear on the top. There's the value. The pearl of a great price, is it not? What are we seeking? What are we doing? The parable helps us to want to understand more so you seek it. When I first read this parable in 2011, I was like, I don't have a clue what this says. I don't, I, I, am, I, am I just a big dummy? 
Do I need myself a priest or a pastor or a religious leader or a TV evangelist to tell me? Why can't I figure it out? Read it again. Read it again. Keep reading. And don't just read one little portion. Read the context. Read the chapter. Read the book. I sat down in one setting. Days. No food. No sleep. Meditation. Prayer. Because I was lost and I was starting to figure out I was lost and I didn't want to be lost. And, I, and life was becoming sober and I was recognizing that, whoa. Most of everything I've been living and thinking and, and is a lie. And this book is teaching me the truth. I couldn't. I read from Matthew to Revelation. Couldn't do anything else. Couldn't put the book down. Just could not do it. Do that. Are we hungry? Are we starving for it? You ever heard a baby looking for its mother's milk? Man, you go crazy hearing that after a while. <laughs> give the give the poor baby food. Well, are we screaming and crying in desperation for the milk, the word? To you, it's been granted to know the mysteries of what? The kingdom of heaven. You and I are wise to find out what that kingdom is. And I assure you, it is not what these false teachers out there are saying it is. I've learned that. Remember what I was telling you? I was listening to all these different pastors and priests and reverends and TV evangelists about what they said the kingdom was. And I found a whole bunch of premillennialism, Calvinism, Catholicism. All these isms were not lining up with what the Bible was teaching. And that fork in the road every time was coming up and I either was going to make a decision to keep following wherever the rabbit was leading me or stop right there, allow pride to seep in and just be like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to lie myself to be quote unquote brainwashed by anything else. No, Jesus was trying to teach me, you've been brainwashed. <laughs> I'm trying to bring you outside of that realm where you can see things soberly and in reality, truth. Thy word is truth. It'll set you free. For whatever, for whoever has, Jesus says, to him more shall be given. The more you seek to understand, the more responsibility with the knowledge you have is given. You know that? When you are faithful with a little, God will trust you with more. If you ask, seek, and knock, if you don't want to be the, uh, on the side of the road, if you don't want to be the rocky places, if you don't want to be the thorns, if you want to be the good soil, the good soil will have more harvest, will have more seeds, will have more flowers, more nourishment, more responsibilities. Some Christians leave the church because they don't want responsibilities. You know that? You know how sad that is? Yeah, I just don't want to be a worker in the church. Do you know being an idle member in the local assembly is disorderly? Because an orderly Christian is productive for the church. He's, he's finding Bible studies and he's baptizing souls into Christ for his master. An idle member is a disorderly brother. And you are aware what the scriptures say about disorderly brethren. We can't associate with them. These chosen vessels, the apostles, were directly called out by Jesus Christ himself to understand this knowledge because they had the heart to learn. The people had to go through the filter system. Who's truly seeking to follow Jesus and who isn't? For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. It'll overflow, man. When you seek the word of God, the word of God will fill your soul with all sorts of love and insight. Yeah, you're going to go through stuff. 
Man, I'll tell you. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. You think you have something on the side of the road? You think you have something in the rocky places? You think you have something in the thorns? Even what you think you have is going to be taken away from you. We know this, man. Come on. If you've been in the church long enough as a faithful Christian, you've gone through all these things and you understand very well the language I am speaking. You know, you've sat down with uh, uh, spouses, children, your children, your grandparents, your parents, neighbors, co-workers. You've sat down with employers and employees. You've sat down with folks with an open book and said, hey man, listen, I've been studying stuff and searching stuff and I want you to see what I've learned. Read it. It's important. You need to know about Jesus. It don't take no time, do it. Most of them. Something happens. Ah, my pastor said that ain't true. Ah, you know, I'd much rather just follow the world, be socially accepted, and make a whole bunch of money, buy a whole bunch of stuff, have so much stuff, I have to pay rent and storage to put more stuff there. Because apparently I can bring it all with me once I depart this earth. Uh, I'm too young right now and too busy. Maybe when I get older. Man, that's sad. Even what they think they had is gone. It's gone. Therefore I speak to them in parables, he says, chapter 13, verse 13, Matthew, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. A fulfillment of the prophet, to which Christ is going to quote, you have ears, don't you? Listen. You have eyes. Can't you see? They were... Dude, listen. They were seeing this man with their eyes, hearing the words he was speaking, and weren't believing. They weren't believing. <laughs> and you and I might be right there with them. Loyal to the Pharisees and the religious leaders against Christ. He's a blasphemer. He's a deceiver. Crucify him. Pride. Pride will blind you. Pride will only have you seeing as far as your, the tip of your nose. Can't see the big picture at all, can you? Sadly, a great many of those wolves take preeminence in congregations, go behind the pulpit, and charm and devour the weak. That's why Jesus speaks in the way he speaks. He's giving you the mirror. The parable is the mirror. Look into it. Who are you? What does your heart say? They would see this man raise the dead. I don't believe it. Oh, he's doing that because he's Satan. <laughs> How hardened of heart can you be? Well, apparently that hardened of heart. And I have been blessed to survive life a bit <laughs> to see how foolish I was when I used to think that way in my past life. And I'm not saying I've attained any kind of, uh, <laughs> any kind of uh, sizable wisdom here. By all means, look at me. I'm a mess. But I've learned a little. I've learned some stuff. I've worked to learn some stuff, and I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to squander it. I'm not. Uh, why would I do that? 
I want to use my eyes and see what Jesus tells me to see. I want to use my ears and hear and listen to what he wants me to hear and listen. But these people, they don't. And what they think they have, they're going to lose it. Oh yeah, the sons of the kingdom on that day, man, listen, they will not be with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The foreigner will. We Gentiles. I've been born and raised in the church fourth generation. How dare you say... Sit down. These pharisaical types, I'm smart, you're stupid. Shut your mouth and sit down. I'm a scholar, you ain't. They search the scriptures to try to justify themselves because they think salvation is found within themselves. Fools. Hypocrites. The blind leading the blind. I don't want to do that. You want to do that? No, you and I, we're blue-collar folk, aren't we? And I have no issues with educated people. I think more of us should get academically educated and scholarly educated and know the Bible, but for what reason? What's the motive behind the heart? Have you become a doctor because you want to make money off people? Or have you become a physician because you love people and want to care for them? Jesus giving them parables is having them look into the mirror and find out who they really are. In their case, he says, verse 14, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. Have you ever sat down with someone and read the gospel to them or have them read it? That's what I love to do. I'm like, you read it. Some people are so blind and hardened of heart in their loyalties to their denominational branches and traditions and family ancestries. I've sat down with otherwise kind, morally upright, selfless souls whom you'd want to have as a member of the church. Sit down with me. I turn the Bible their way on the table, look at them and say, you read that and you tell me what that means. They'd read it for their own selves Take their eyes away from the book, look at me straight in the eyes and say, well, that's just your interpretation. (sighs) Dude, that's when all those moments is when God was teaching me wisdom. Like, wow, look at that. Look at that. That's how hardened the heart can be when it comes to the truth. Wow. Wow. For me, it was just evidence showing the book to be more powerful than I ever thought it would be. That someone could read it for themselves. Which verse you may be asking? A simple one, Mark 16, 16. You know how many people I've sat down with turn to Mark 16, 16, have them read it? Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever does not believe shall be damned. Take their eyes away from that verse after reading it. And I'd make them read it again, by the way. Oh, I wouldn't give up. No, no, read it again. They'd look at me straight in the eyes. That's just your interpretation. My interpretation. I didn't even read it. You're the one who read it. No wonder Jesus spoke in parables. Who truly wants to know the truth? Man, many, many morally upright, kind, selfless people ain't headed towards eternal life. You cannot meritoriously earn your salvation by being a decent human being. But are we called to be decent human beings? 
Are we called to be morally upright and kind and selfless? Absolutely. So do it for the right reasons in the right location, in Christ. You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of the people has become dull. Are you going to be on the side of the road? Are you going to be on the rocky places? Are you going to be in the thorns? Or are you going to be the good soil? Dude, come on. You don't need to believe me. Once I am long gone, this here, these words, they're still going to be there. They're still going to be there. I can't change that. <laughs> you can't change those. <laughs> For the heart of the people has become dull. And that's sad. Dull hearts in the church are disorderly members. There is a grace period for newborn babes in Christ. You've been there 30, 40 years. You need to renew. You need to renew yourself to Christ, your passion for the Messiah, the truth. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes otherwise. The text says, Jesus says, they would be with their, uh, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and return. And what would happen if they do that? I would heal them, Jesus says. He who has ears has the ability to listen. If you listen, you receive, and you follow, you believe, you have faith. Jesus will heal you. He'll heal you of all the things sin has done to you in your life. All the damage sin does. Sin does damage, doesn't it? It damages your physical body and mind. It causes chaos in marriages, divorces. It splits families, local congregations. It will cure you from character flaws, worldviews that are corrupt, the damage of fornication, adultery, homosexuality, abortion, lying, thieving, addiction to hardcore narcotics, alcohol, all of these things Jesus will heal us from. It's a healing process, but there is one precise moment in which you go from being lost into being saved. And Jesus spoke of that new birth. And we'd be wise to find this new birth because that's the ticket. Jesus Christ, and there is no other way. You seek to be a legal citizen of the kingdom of heaven, to which Christ is crowned king? That's a true and real spiritual house, location. And there's a way in. Jesus is that way in. And he's given us the um, the obedience necessary. Let's keep reading. Heart, ears, eyes, closed. What kind of soil are we? But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Speaking to the disciples who were wondering, why is he speaking to them in parables? 
For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Peter, remembering the words of his master, spoke such in his writings. The prophets and righteous men in the age in which messianic utterances, oracles, were being revealed. They wanted to see that day, but they did not see it. You and I today even speak of going back 2,000 years and seeing the man for himself walk among us. The disciples were right there. The apostles were right there looking at him, looking at a man who was God on earth, the Savior. Who do to give you, give you goosebumps, man. Hear then the parable of the sower. Let me explain it to you, he says in verse 18, moving forward, 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, it's specific. And we, friends, listen, Christian friends, we, have a, we, we practice a, a, a serious disservice when we do not teach people about the kingdom the church, the uniqueness of the church. It's not, hey, just get wet and you'll be saved and everything will be fine. It don't work that way. That would be, uh, man, it would be building a house without a foundation. You'd just be waiting waiting for it to go. A castle made of sand in their hearts. It, it won't last. Look at what Jesus is saying. Verse 11, the kingdom of heaven. Verse 19, the kingdom of what is this kingdom? I will build my church, Jesus says, the kingdom. I will be crowned king of this kingdom, the church. How do we get, how, how can you and I be citizens of that kingdom? The power of God will add you. Okay, how? Well, do you believe Jesus is the son of God? The Savior of mankind? Absolutely, I believe. I've read the evidence. I've been studying this for months. I know He is who He is. Look, water. What prevents me? Well, if you believe, nothing prevents you. Do you understand the kingdom? He continues and says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one whom seed was sown beside the road. You know it, you've done this. If you've been in the church long enough, faithful. You've sat down with people you love, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers. You've sat down with them and you've told them about the uniqueness of the church, how the kingdom was birthed from the mind of God prior to even forming Adam and Eve. It was prophesied by the prophets of old. It was promised by the Christ. It was purchased by his blood. And it must be practiced by our faith. You've told them how this kingdom, it came with the outpouring power of the Holy Spirit upon the 12 chosen vessels, the apostles, who stood up, stood up among the people and proclaimed the death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension of the Messiah. In Jerusalem, 
during the reign of the Roman Empire, fulfilling the prophets and the doors, the keys, the conditions to entrance were given to the people and all who warmly received the word of repentance and immersion, calling on his name, for therein is the power. They were plunged, dipped, submerged, clothed, buried, baptizo, born out of water and the spirit, now members, legal citizens of the kingdom, a spiritual house that cannot be destroyed by human hands. You've preached that. You've taught that. You've sat down with people and told them those very words, haven't you? And what happened? What happened? They don't understand it. So the little they have goes away. The little they have goes away. My pastor told me that wasn't true. Mom told me. Coworkers. TV told me. TV evangelists told me that wasn't true. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. You and I have lived that if we've been in the church long enough. I've seen it. I've seen the aha moment in their eyes. The same one I had. The uniqueness of the church. The plan of salvation. I'm lost. Uh-oh. The message of love, the message of peace, the message of forgiveness, the message of family, the me I Oh wow, I've I found it. I found it. I found the truth. They immediately received that with joy. They understood it. They read it for themselves. But it's only temporary. It has an expiration date. They don't last long, does it? Because when the affliction of persecution comes around, because of the world, and you wanting to be faithful to the word and not the world, they fall away. They fall away. Isn't that sad? But it's true. It is a true thing. It's a reality. The one whom, on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, because of the truth, the uniqueness of the church, the plan of salvation, the way we should worship, Christian character, because of those things, standing up for those things will make us recipients of all sorts of persecution. We might lose family. We might lose friends. We might lose employment. We might lose social status. We might lose everything, house and wife or husband or children. We might lose everything. We might even lose our lives. No, I'm not going to do that. I didn't know it took all of that. Remember what Jesus said to these individuals who approached him saying, Hey, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you want to go. I'll go wherever you want me to. The foxes have holes. The birds have nests. But if you choose to follow Jesus, you might lose all those securities, all those things you thought were so important. You might lose them. Oh, well, I didn't know it took all of that. What about the other one? Hey, let me, let me just wait until I get my father's inheritance. 
You know what would have happened? If Jesus would have said, sure, no problem. He would have received his inheritance and told Jesus, hey man, let me wait until I receive, let me wait, let me wait, let me wait. There's always something else. There's always something else. There's always another excuse. It's not as deep. It's not as, in their hearts, it's not as deep as they thought it would want to go. I can't do that. I can't, I can't. You are correct to follow the law. You've been following the law. There's no problem in following the law. But if you want to be faithful, you need to sell everything and follow me. Remember that one? Remember that witness to count Jesus and the rich young ruler, the rich young man? He was morally upright. He was kind. And he was following the law from as early as he can have independence. What's the problem? Shouldn't Jesus say, hey, man, we've just been waiting for someone like you, having all that money and wealth. Look at all the good we can do for the church. And you moral, you are morally upright and follow the law. Come on over here. It's a, you should be part of this church I'm building. He loved his money and the things he had more than Jesus. Oh, if I got to sell everything. I've sat down with people, had them read the truth of the kingdom. And they began to weep. And they did not do so because repentance was coming. They wept because they knew they were not going to let go. The girlfriends, the boyfriends, the social status, the money, the influence, the power, the sins of the world, the acceptance of their families. That's why they wept bitterly and went away. Again, all these moments in my life, which is limited. I just have 11 years. I've not been doing this for 40, 50, 60. But in my limited experience, every other week, day sometimes, you start to see how true this book really is to the parable of the sower and the different soils. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, Jesus says in verse 22, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes truth. Uh, it becomes uh, uh, unfruitful. That's the tattoo I got right here. When I had organized crime, I had taken crime and organized it in my district as a head boss figure of my location, if you will, men underneath me. I didn't want God. God was in the way. God was going to tell me I can't do this, can't do that. No, no, I wanted everything the world had to offer me. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I was well on my way. And so I had to make sure that I knew that and that he did. So I inked it on my skin. That's what this means. The cross represents Jesus, the thorns all around it, choking it out, and the words in French saying, my life. That was me telling God, I know I'm on the way to hell. But I chose hell because, well, I just want the deceitfulness of this world. It's, it's pagan ways. It's heathen worldviews. I want the wealth and the power to buy what I want to buy. Yes, I would have to forfeit my own life and forfeit love and family and unity and peace and all those things. But man, I'll get to drive around in a Beamer, Zim Zima, oh, driving around in the Beamer. 
I get to wear all kinds of jewelry, wear some fancy clothes, travel to various exotic, luxurious locations, have social status and fear in the community, people bowing down and kissing my ring. How foolish that is to me now, looking back so many years ago. But that was me, the thorns. And I was honest enough to know what that is, uh, to know who I was. I was the thorns. That's what I was. And friends, many brethren among us in the local assembly, if you've been in the church long enough faithful, you'll recognize these soils. We've seen those beside the road. We've seen those in rocky places. We've seen those in the thorns. We've seen them go from unbeliever to believer, and we've seen them from believer to falling away. I didn't write those words. Somebody, if somebody's telling you something different than what you can read in this book, you don't go follow them. If you ever hear me say something that you can't read in this book, you don't follow me. No, 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 no. Look what it says again in verse 21. Speaking of the rocky places, but it was only temporary. That joy he had, the peace, the love, the family, the forgiveness. Yay! Uh-oh, persecution. Oh, I can't deal with that. I don't want persecution. I don't want to be looked at as weird and a Jesus freak and a Bible thumper. and I don't want that. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Do you know Paul used the same language to his brethren in Galatia while they were trying Christians? In the local assembly, the church, of, the church belonging to Christ in Galatia, they were trying to bring Judaism back into the fold, into Christianity. Judaism don't belong in Christianity. And Paul told them, you who do that, you members here, Christians, who have been immersed into Christ, born-again believers, you, who do that, who bring Judaism back to the fold, to your heart, you've fallen away from grace. How can you fall away from something you've never... How can you fall away from a location you were never found in? the, The equivalent foolishness of seeing someone sitting on a chair and falling off the chair... And I say, hey, dude, you fall, you, you fell from the chair. Are you okay? You can sit back down there. I, I wasn't sitting on that chair. I never, I never sat down on that chair. I never sat down on that chair. What? What do you mean you never sat down on that chair? Uh, I didn't fall. It's impossible to fall away, to fall off the chair. I was never sitting on that chair. Uh, okay. All right, dude. Listen, you roll with that. and You talk, you, you, you talk to God about that one. When you meet him, but I just saw you sitting on the chair and fall off the chair. And I was worried for you because I thought you were hurt. And I just wanted you to sit back down and be okay. That's all. Well, there's no, there's no such thing as that. Um, I just never sat down the chair. So there's no such thing as falling off the chair. Be careful of the priest and the pastors, the reverends, the moms, the dads, the coworkers, the neighbors, the friends, the family. Be careful where you're getting your source of religious material. If it ain't from the Bible, you're vulnerable. But there's good news, isn't there? 
it's not all doom and gloom and sadness for us to see our own kind go away on the side of the road and the rocky places and the thorns. No, there's good news because there's good soil. Some of us are good soil. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, the Bible says, this is the man who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. You're going to be productive for the Christ. Being an idle member is a disorderly practice. And there will be church discipline upon that. There has to. We have to love Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. We have to produce. Do something. You know what I found so tragic, sad, unfortunate? My own kind, more so preachers. They criticize those of us who try to do something while they sit back and do nothing. Nothing. And because they sit and do nothing, they want to steal what you do. They want to steal your work. They want to steal your thoughts, your ideas. They want to steal everything from you and then show the world, look at how smart I am. That... These are toxic manipulators. These are the kind of soil you don't want around. Go away from those. But there are good soils, aren't there? Some of us want to just do what's right. And at times we fall short, at times we miss the mark, and God disciplines us and God teaches us, hey, you were blind there for a moment, and look what happened. Don't let that happen again. We want to produce. All of us have a different location and opportunity to produce for Christ. Again, going back to what I shared on my personal profile. You don't need the preacher for someone to obey the gospel. Teach them. Show them the truth. And allow them to be immersed into Christ. The preacher, he's been doing that. If he's a good, faithful preacher, he's been doing that. I find my niche, my comfort zone in digital evangelism. But don't get it twisted. I'm outside running errands. I'm among the people and I speak to them. And I plant seeds broadcasting. A thief steals. He belongs to his father, who was a murderer and a thief from the beginning, a liar and a murderer from the beginning. You and I, we are not those things. You and I, we want to be of the good news, the good soil, speaking of the kingdom. Be good soil. <laughs> that's, that's the message. Be good soil. You can choose to be good soil. Be good soil. And when, uh, you know, moments of discouragement come around your way, when somebody comes to you and says, oh, what you believe is not true, you're going to believe the Bible instead of them. When persecution comes your way, you're not going to give up. All those things you saw, the other soils 
fail, all those locations where you saw the other soils fail, the side of the road, the rocky places, the thorns, you won't fall prey to those things, to, to those soils, right? You will understand. You will not allow influence, uh, uh, nefarious, sinister influences, wolves in sheep's clothing, pharisaical types. You won't allow these, these worldly temptations and hostilities. You won't allow that get the best of you. You'll remain focused on the word of God and doing what's right. You want to be the good soil. The good soil. All right. Well, that pretty much sums it up in the things that I preached for the East Coast Church of Christ yesterday, Sunday. And uh, hopefully something in there challenges you to think further, maybe, hopefully. If not, by all means, go about your own business, but I'm trying to have you listen to something here. You know, I've had to go through this. <laughs> and uh, hopefully something in there will have you, have you think further. If you want to study further, if you are indeed seeking to know more about the truth, it's in the book. It's in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. It's in the New Testament. I'll sit down with you. Uh, we can sit down and study. I'll, I'll, I'll have you go through a formal study. Uh, it's really, it's not a burden. I want to do that. It's joy to me. And it makes me find fulfillment to be good soil. So please reach out to me. AddedSouls.com addedsouls at gmail.com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. All these things, man. You can reach out to me and talk to me. We can sit down. If you're in New Brunswick, Canada, if you're on the East Coast, we can do so via video chat if you're, if you're, if you're too far. But man, I'd love to sit down and study with you. There's a great many things out there that we used to believe uh, that was Christianity that isn't. That really isn't. Stefan Maia is my name, and uh, yeah, this has been the uh, uh, Sermon Sunday session. Stay focused, stay positive. Please consider supporting. If you are a faithful member of the Lord's Church and you see the value of this effort and the work of the Added Souls Ministry, please consider supporting. We have to raise the support to have food, shelter, and clothing and uh, continue to grow this influence in the community and around the world. You can do so by signing up at addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to sign up, and once you're there, you can support monthly. No amount is too small or too large. You can do that there, or you can contact me, and we can have some conversations about it. Uh, addresses and stuff like that or different other ways that perhaps you'd be more comfortable with but um yeah that's there stay focused stay positive lord willing tomorrow um i'll be going for another session on our tuesday session theme which is taking a song from the secular world and kind of analyzing the song from a christian perspective check out the show notes you'll see what we do from monday to friday subscribe give us a thumbs up comment share the link far and wide all that kind of good stuff okay peace out